Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today, I have the incredible Julian McWilliams. He is a beat writer for the Boston Red Sox at the prestigious Boston Globe. But I'm very excited to get to talk to him about everything else he's done. He's been a beat writer in small towns in South Carolina, as well as a beat writer for the Oakland Athletics while working for The Athletic, which is always just a lot of fun. But Julian is chock full of information. He was an absolute blast to have on and learn more. And of course, we got to talk about baseball. So I think that part is very, very important too. So I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Julian McWilliams. Today is special guest on the For the Love of Sports podcast. I have Julian McWilliams, Red Sox beat reporter for the Boston Globe, formerly A's beat reporter for the Athletic, worked sports reporter at the Index Journal down in Greenwood, South Carolina, everybody's favorite, Greenwood, South Carolina, content writer for the MLB, production assistant and sports writer for Huffington Post, and Division One and professional baseball player, Julian. Your accolades sound really cool when you put them all together, don't you think? Yeah, uh, a little bit, and I had—I never had anybody do that for me. So, uh, really, so pretty, pretty, pretty wild rundown. Hold on, let me just move my spot real quick. Yeah, my all good. Well, can, I'm sorry, no one's ever done that for you, man. That's, uh, <laughs> considering how cool it is, uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. But thankfully, I'm the first. Thankfully, yeah, it's on this show, and uh, let's let's take a little advantage of it. So, Julian, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Uh, I just feel like it's, it's sort of a microcosm of society sort of thing. Um, you know, it's like, um, you know, you sort of, uh, you know, I grew up playing sports all my life and, uh, you know, it was was a way for me to connect my, my mom and my dad. My mom was actually the first person to put me in baseball. Then my dad, he played in college at university of Maryland. So, um, that's how we sort of connected our bond grew. Um, I just think it's a way for us to like, you know, bridge gaps and, you know, between, you know, sort of like economic lines and sort of, uh, you know, just being able to just go out in the field and, and play or, or the basketball court and just sort of just be the best version of yourself in that, in that, in that scheme. So I just think it really, it's really just has, comes down to just being a place that we can all um, come together. And, and, and as, as we're going through this pandemic right now, um, we kind of understand that, you know, sports is a big uh, uh, gap of a, big vacant spot in all our lives and a lot of our lives and, and, just, and just being able to watch shows like the last dance and stuff like that on a Sunday. It's just, it's just, it's just brings us together for moments and, and that, that we uh, sort of appreciate a little bit more as we're um, going through these trying times. Yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, you know, no matter who you are or where you're from, you know, if you're a Mets fan, you're my friend and that's kind of what it comes yeah. down to for me. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where you're there, there's very few things in life where you can know, only one thing about somebody and, and feel that connection immediately right off sure. the bat. And, and sports for me personally is the biggest one. There's a couple others um, that I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know, politics, religion, yeah. teach his own, of course, but those are, uh, those are kind of the same thing, I think. And, you know, for me, it's sports and being able to do that 
and then my life through that is, is always been a lot of fun. So I, I completely agree with you, as you said, kind of, it levels the playing field for lack of a better yeah. term, depending on, you know, what sport you're playing or who you're playing against. It doesn't matter. Right. We're on the court, right. we're on the field, we're on the pitch, we're all doing what we can. So you played a little bit of baseball, um, as I said, division one player, and you eventually made it professional. When we first had our conversation, as I said before, I don't think that came up. So I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit about, you know, where'd you go to school? Where'd you play? And, uh, you know, what was, what was professional baseball like too? Uh, I first went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. Um, went there on a baseball scholarship. Uh, I spent a year there and then just wanted to kind of, you know, get, I was like, I had like a really old school coach there. So, you know, I just really didn't like the, um, the, 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 I loved the school, but the program itself just kind of didn't fit my needs. So I transferred mm -hmm. to Temple and Temple University in Philadelphia, um, majored in journalism there, um, played there for a bit. And then uh, actually, I was actually working um, in the city uh, at, ML, at MLB's. Uh, they used to own, where is it at? It's, I guess it's, it's on the east side, their, their offices at their MLB headquarters. Mm -hmm. um, this was, I was interning for their community affairs program because I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in front, if I wanted to work in front office or the baseball operations. So after I graduated from Temple, I did a summer working there and I just got the, I got the bug, you know, to, 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 to play baseball. I just didn't really have any closure with it. So uh, I started working out in the fall, um, went to a, to a trial for an independent ball league um, that I think, December or so, and I signed on with the team in New Mexico. And it's funny, I thought I was going to, um, uh, I thought I was going to Las Vegas because it said, you know, it said my contract said Las Vegas, but then like in short lettering it said it said NM, and I was like, wait, Las Vegas NM? That's not Las Vegas, Nevada. That's my dad's like, no, that's Las Vegas, New Mexico. So <laughs> I, I did not know that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I spent a summer out there. It was, it was a, it was a. Andy ball is rough, man. It's, it's, uh, you really got, it really got to, um, love it, you know, to, to, to be able to stay in there. We were staying in motels. It was like, you know, four grown men to a room in the, in the motel six. And, uh, you know, some weeks uh, they, you know, they wouldn't pay us. It was, it was, it was a crazy league. Was, if you ever, ever, ever look it up, it's called the Pecos league. It's in New Mexico. And, um, um, I just, you know, after that point, I was like, okay, I have my closure with it. And, you know, I want to move on to the next thing, but like sports, like I said, it's a way of, it should, it just brought me, it, it brought a lot more clarity for me in terms of just being able to um, know what I want to do with my next steps in my life. Right. So like I went to high school and I was like, okay, I want to play in college. And I went from college. I was like, okay, I, I want to play professionally. And then I went to, I played professionally at, at, on some level, you know, it wasn't at the minor league level, but, um, and then I had clarity for my next step, which was journalism. It was like, I actually was standing, it's funny. I was in the outfield and it was um it was like a june or it was like june or july and i was like yeah man I, you know what i think i'm done with this i'm, I'm good right it was like june or july in mexico new mexico is probably a little yeah. different than june or july was, up here in the northeast and you're looking around and it's like you know you know what i think i'm probably i'm good off this i'm i, I have enough closure with this and so i was after that game i was going to tell my dad like you know i i don't want to play anymore after the season i'm done so literally the very next play a ball was hit to me in left field and it was like one of those like slicing um it was hit by a lefty so it has like that natural slice mm -hmm. so it slices towards toward the foul line and i died for it um didn't make the play but um uh, i broke my finger <laughs> so like literally right after i had that thought and 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 so i look at my finger i make i throw the ball back and I look at my finger my finger's like jutting out like towards the right side and i'm like 
uh, this isn't, something's not right about this. So the trainer's like, oh, she tried to just pop it back in. She tried to pop it back in and didn't go back in. Ooh. So um, at that point, um, I, they, they were like, hey, man, like you can rehab out here, your hand, you know, you know whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to go on to my next step. So I went home after that and then um, started with my journalism career. That's crazy, man. I mean, isn't it? I, I don't believe in coincidences, personally. Yeah. I don't believe in coincidences. And when something like that happens, you have that thought and, and obviously a very clear, coherent thought such as, you know what, July in New Mexico, it's not my favorite place. Just don't really need to do this Man, anymore. Oh. I got to go out. You know, that, that's one thing that I've found with a lot of college athletes is you kind of want to go out on your own terms. Yeah, you know, sometimes exactly. it's understanding, all right, senior year, this is cool. I'm good. But I've met a lot of athletes that have said, you know, I just, just one more year, just give me one more year. Let me get paid to play this sport that I love so right. much. And even if it, you know, as you said, some weeks you didn't get paid and, and sometimes yeah. it was brutal, just that opportunity, you know, and I've obviously never felt it, but I hear it's, it's very fulfilling when someone gives you that check and you get those paychecks and it's just like, wait, I'm playing baseball. I'm playing basketball. And someone's yeah. paying me to do it. And, and that's kind of a cool way, I guess, to go out. Now, unfortunately, you had to break your finger. Um, you had the thought, but it sounds like you broke your finger uh, for a pretty darn good reason to kind of get through it, man. But I guess, was that, was that the closure you were looking for? Or was there something yeah, more? Like, or, or what was it? Yeah, I remember I, remember I texted my buddy, who, um, who's actually, um, he's actually the, uh, uh, he's head of the strength and conditioning program at uh, Cal Berkeley. He's actually, he actually just took a job, another job somewhere else. I forget where he's like the... Uh, assistant director of sports performance at um, mm-hmm. Grand Canyon University. He just took that job. And um, I'm, and I was, I was like the person I was like texting him all the time, like for workouts and stuff like that, to trying to get back into it. And he's like, man, you need to get back on the field. You need to get back on the field to have that closure. I'm like, I know, I know. And so like, after I broke my finger, I go back to, I go back to um, my host family's house and I remember texting him and he was like, and then I said, Hey man, like, I broke my finger and he was like, he's like, no, for real. And I was like, yeah, I was like, he's like, he's like, well, man, like you have to close your knee. You have to close your knee. So he, he asked me, he was like, do you have closure with it? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. And he was like, go on home, man. Like you did, you did what you had to do. So that definitely did give me closure. And it gave me perspective too, because like you see a lot of guys there that are in independent ball and like, they don't become like sort of like, products of like their circumstances right like because it's it's really really dark just to like stay in a hotel room with like four people like for me I was like oh my gosh this is like killing me like you know I mean I can't do I don't want to do this uh but for them they're like man I get to go play baseball like I'm I don't I don't care about all this other stuff so for me it tells me that like okay perhaps like this this like these like circumstances that I'm that I'm in aren't enough to like aren't enough to like trump uh what you know uh, 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 baseball is enough to like usurp like what mm-hmm. these circumstances are. So um, for me, I was like, I, I was, I had, I, it gave me perspective in terms of just me saying like, you know what? I have the closure. I don't want this as bad as some of these other guys, just to be honest with you. And if you don't want it, like that's when stuff like injuries and other stuff happen. I just think those are how the, the universe works in my, in my opinion, just like, you know, if, if you don't go out there and like, like say about a football player, if like you don't go out there and like commit to a play for like for a tackle, most likely you're going to end up getting hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. If you don't go in there full throttle. So it's the same thing with like anything, I think. So um, after a certain point, after like 15, 20 games, I was like, man, like my heart's not in this right now anymore. And like, but I had, but I was, had, I found peace with my heart not being in it because it was like, I have the closure I need 
and I can move on to my next thing and I don't have to look back and say, what if this, what if mm-hmm. that? So that gave me a lot more perspective and just, just in terms of, um, and just, just in terms of just being able to uh, go out my day-to-day life and, and, and become a, you know, a productive citizen in society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think just the opportunity, as you said, the closure to go out on your own terms and to just, you know, regret is one of the worst feelings in the world. You never want to yeah. know what could have been. And you went out, you did it again. You got paid to play this game that you've yeah. loved your entire life. And, you know, obviously it didn't go at maybe exactly as planned, but yeah. the plan was in motion, whether you liked it or not. And the universe said, all right, this is what you get. You're going to, you're going to go, you're going to like a little bit of it. You're going to hate a little bit of it. And, you know, you're finally going to be able to decide whether you want it or not. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, right. as you said, you kind of were, okay, cool. This was, this was fun. I'm glad I did it. And now we can move on to the next thing, which was sports journalism. And I think that it's, you know, everybody, what kid that grew up in the 90s watching ESPN every day didn't want to be an ESPN anchor, didn't want to be one of those guys you saw on TV. I mean, hand up, I did. That's why I'm still doing this now, right? And, you know, you, you did your thing, which I think is pretty cool. Was sports journalism, I mean, as you said, you majored in it at Temple, but was it, did you major in journalism? Did you major in sports journalism? Was it the writing aspect that you were going after? Or was it the sports aspect and said, oh, I have the capability of writing? So like it, it, it was, Temple was like a little bit, it was weird. Like my major was like a merge of like the two because I wasn't okay. sure if I wanted to do like, you know, the anchor type of stuff or if I wanted to do like the print type of stuff. So um, I came up with the, with the, uh, after, so when I was at Temple, I was kind of going back and forth between like doing on camera stuff versus like, you know, doing also writing stuff. Um, but once I graduated, um, I realized I didn't want to necessarily be an anchor. Um, but I wanted to be like an analyst sort of mm-hmm. at, at some point. Um, and I was like, okay, so most analysts are like, we're beat writers at some point. Like, right. Like, it's like, you look at, I don't know, like a lot of those talking heads on ESPN, they're all, they're, they were all at some point, like they were a beat writer, mm-hmm. right? Like a Chris Broussard for Fox sports was a beat writer. Uh, Stephen A was a beat writer. Skip Bayless, who like these guys, they're, all these loud mouths. Like I was going to say murderers row right there, man. I know, man. It's just, I just had to get those, those names off, off, uh, all first, but, uh, um, you know, Jackie McMullen, you know, the list goes on like those, a lot of these, a lot of these people were like beat writers at, at some point or just like cover the, cover the game on a print level. Um, Bob Ryan, another one, Peter Gammons. Um, so um, I, I realized that I was like, okay, I want to do that. But, you know, I don't necessarily want to be like the person that's like, you know, keeping up with like the tempo of the show. I want to have an opinion on something. So um, I saw this as my way into that. And eventually that's probably um, what I want to do. I also want to continue to write as well. Um, but, you know, as you probably know, like beat writing is like, it's hard, man. Like, I don't want to, I, I know people that do this for like, that have done this for like 20, 25 years. And, I, I can't see myself doing beat writing for 20, 25 years. That's a lot of, that's a lot, a lot of like time, right? It's a lot of way from time away for your family. Uh, you know, you're kind of consistent on the road. And as you know, like baseball is 162. It's every day. So I love what I'm doing now. Um, I don't have a family. I have a fiance. Um, you know, she, she's moving up here in July to, to Boston. But um, so I have a little bit more flexibility now. But like down the road, um, my ultimate goal is to um, you know, be, be sort of like a national type of, uh, columnist or what mm-hmm. have you. Plus, you know, giving my, um, I guess some of my opinions, even though they don't probably won't matter, uh, on, on, on TV. So, um, so I, I did, so long story short, I did a merger of both at Temple, but, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily sure what path I wanted to take until after independent ball, after, mm-hmm. after I was done with baseball, I was like, yeah, you know, what? I want to take this path of, of 
being in the print side. Mm-hmm. And I think you make a good point. You looked, you looked far enough ahead to be able to reverse engineer. It's like, okay, maybe, yeah. and, and I hope to God, you don't want to be Stephen A. Smith. Maybe get his no, paycheck. No, 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 but, no. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're good. You're good, man. Maybe get his paycheck. I would much, but like, I would much rather be like a Jackie McMullen. Than a- okay, cool. She's great too. Jackie McMullen, Zach Lowe, love them. They actually yeah. have actual facts and opinions that make yeah. sense and are coherent, but that's yeah. enough about that. But I think it's cool that you were able to kind of see where you wanted to be and then reverse engineer. And as you said, you know, beat writing for 20, 20, 25 years, especially in a sport like baseball, it is insane. I mean, there are so it's many. Crazy. I mean, what? It's it's 162 in like 180 days or something. Like, there's not it's that crazy. many days like, off. Plus, you're plus with the team. Training. Spring training, exactly. Yep. They can start a and, and you're like the off season in baseball is weird, but you always still have something to do. It's not like there's too yeah. too much time you get off. But I mean, right. I mean, kudos to you for really being able to realize that. So, you know, going from independent ball. Where was your where was your first stop after independent ball? Was that the Huffington Post? Yeah, so I I um have you know one of my um mentors was uh Mark Lamont Hill and um he's actually like a he does like he he does a lot of like political stuff and and for like he did did for CNN and like uh he's written books and all that stuff and he's so yeah, he met up with me actually and he was like uh, and I was like, Hey man, I, I want to get into journalism some way, somehow, like, can you, can you help me out? And he was like, yeah, you need to go to, um, you need to go to NABJ, which is like national association for black journalists. And so there was happening, I guess that, that August 2nd through the 8th. Um, and so I went there and, and, you know, met some people or whatever, like whatever have you. And at that time, Mark was also there and he told me like, yeah, look, you know, I think, you know, I'm gonna call my boss, which is at Huffington, because that's that time he was like he was a he was a anchor for for a show that was like it didn't do too well, but like it was like Huff Post is like their um, it was like sort of like their their trial of like it was called like Huff Post Live or something mm-hmm. like that. They had like it was like eight hours of like live content on their on their website. So like he was one of the anchors there, and so he called the um, the production assistant, I mean, I'm, excuse me, the, the senior uh, producer mm-hmm. for like the show was like, Hey, you know, I have this kid, he's just graduated. Um, you know, he just finished playing ball, you know, he's trying to get a job. So they brought me on as a PA. Um, at first it was like, it was, it was like, just like, you know, probably like twice a week. And then they brought me on full time as a production assistant, like, um, uh, like in December of that year. And then from there, I was like, yeah, I'm on like the production side, but I really want to be on the written content side. So I got in contact with the people there at Huffington Post and was like, hey, like I want to write about sports. Like I'll write for free. I don't care. Like, you know, so I started writing there. Um, but, you know, like Huff Post is like more like politics and, and like social justice mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So um, while that's a lot more important than sports, um, that wasn't really my lane, you know? Exactly. So um, I, at that point, I think HuffPost, like a year later, I was still there. And I was like, man, I got to get out of here. I got to get out. Of here. I got to get out of here. And I, I just, it just nothing was, I, nothing was coming up. And, and so uh, HuffPost got acquired by Verizon. And then they had like huge layoffs, right? And so like, I was one of the guys that got laid off. And like, just like, I'm more so like a universe works in certain ways mm-hmm. type of guy too. So I remember going into my, going into like the meeting because they called me into the meeting. I never forget, it was me and my, my buddy, uh, uh, Ben Teitelbaum. He's, he, he's, uh, he went to Columbia Journalism School and he worked at HuffingPost, brilliant producer and all that stuff. And uh, we were like, and everybody's like getting like 
we thought like the slashes were done for the day. We're like, oh man, we're safe. We're like, we're good. Mm-hmm. Like, we're good. And then, so then he gets a G chat and is like, hey, meet me on the fourth floor. And I'm like, oh, damn, you got it? And he's like, yeah, I just got it. And I'm like, oh, crap, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, man. And then next thing you know, I get a G chat. It's like, hey, meet me on the fourth floor. And I'm like, oh, me too. So we go upstairs. And then like the first thing I see, I never forget, was like a, a lady. Her name is Cindy Venegas. She's a, I think she's like the, she's like a, like a executive producer at BuzzFeed now. Mm-hmm. But she was like, she, first thing she said when I walk in, she's like, Julian, you got to get out of here. This isn't you. Like you have like, mm-hmm. like this, like you need to be in sports, like writing or doing something like you covering this. It's not you. I'll help you out. Yada, yada, whatever. So long story short. And she sends like, I, I get laid off and, but she helps me land my next job, which was at MLB sports on earth. Um, which, you know, kind of led to everything else. So mm-hmm. like, I started huffing and post and, and, you know, that was kind of like a blessing in this disguise just for me to just get my feet wet in the business, understand what, you know, what, how to ask questions and watch these people and understand like that. But eventually I had to take a leap into something I wanted to do. And that, that, that MLB, while the sports on earth, while it wasn't necessarily that, while it wasn't like reportorial journalism, it got me a bit closer to where I wanted to be. Exactly. And, and you can yeah. kind of use what you learned at Huffington Post, the connections you made in the industry, obviously, yeah. were very important into, you know, getting into the MLB side. And as you said, I mean, you, you got your foot in the door in the industry, in the journalism industry, right? And then you were able to get your foot in the door in the sports journalism industry, which, again, is, is not exactly where you want it to be. But eventually, right. it led you to where you need to be, which I think is the most important part. And I think that's something that people always forget is, you know, you, you look at where you are right now, and you think, well, I'm not where I want to be. It's like, well, you're still probably a couple steps away from where you want to be, right? Like yeah. you, you started at Huffington Post and you want to be an analyst, a national analyst. It's going to take a very long time yeah. and a lot of steps to get there. Yeah. But you had the foresight and you had the understanding that, okay, this is just the first, this is, we're on step A right now. Honestly, you're probably on step C because not too many people get in to a place like Huffington Post first. They're getting into a smaller place with right. less connections in the industry. So you know, your, your friend, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, he helped you get into a great place. And then you were able to move from there. And I mean, come on. no. And then, and then it's like, I had to, and then it's like, okay, I got into like the sports industry, but it's like, you need like reporting. Like you need, I needed like mm-hmm. reportorial clips, right? I needed like ground level stuff. So I actually went, so I took the job down in Greenwood. Um, and I only got that because I was like hustling on the side working. Um, you know, uh, I was working for the Riverdale press for free um you know which you know i'm not gonna tell anybody to work for free because like i had the privilege of being able to do so because i support parents you got to do what you got to do like if you have to make money you have to mm-hmm. make money like yeah you, you know so like i'm not gonna be like i'd be like oh like yeah you should do this for free like i'm not that type of guy but uh but like i i had the privilege of like still living at home um so i actually quit uh the mlb job and i was like look i gotta i have to get like these reports read like reportorial clips so i started covering like manhattan college sports and, and all their home games for the Riverdale press. And then I just, just started sending off my clips to everybody. And then, then I went to, to, to Greenwood. And so Greenwood was actually a step back from like, from like, from, I guess you could say like MLB and Huffington post in a mm-hmm. sense, right? Like yeah, it's like, yeah. it was a very small newspaper. Um, but you know, I was only making, I'll say it now, I was only making like $27,000 a year there. And granted, like the rent was like six twenty. I was going to say, I don't know too much about Greenwood, South Carolina, yeah, but I'm not saying awesome. anything bad about it, but it's not New York City, right? Yeah, yeah. I get like, like I had like a 720 foot square apartment. It was like $600. It was crazy. Nice. That's not bad. Um, so, 
So like, yeah, so like, you know, but like I had to t- sort of like take that leap of faith, I guess, to get like the, mm-hmm. the skill set, you know what I mean? And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand in this industry today is because like you see places like The Athletic pop up, you see places like different blogs pop up, you see like SB Nation and Bleacher Report and all these like contributing sites that you can write for, which is great. But like, there's still something to be said about like the ground level and root level of journalism that has to that that I think should not, not necessarily a requirement. If you're good, you're good. If you're if you can go straight from college to the athletic, good for you, um, right? If you can go straight from college to I don't know becoming you know uh, working for the Ringer or something like that, great for you. I wasn't that good, right? So I had to be able to uh, hone my skill in a place that was. Um, that 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 allowed me the 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 opportunity to make mistakes learn from those mistakes and also learn skill sets of writing on deadline you know um having to multitask and and take pictures while keeping stats um you know because they don't have stats that they provide for you so you have to add up the stats by yourself but then you had to at the end of the game you finally have to put the stats in and like have the have like you know as well as like write your story and like you know and the stats will probably be off so you'll probably hear from a parent tomorrow like that's all like valuable like lessons and like builds your metal builds your character builds your skill set that I think a lot of like younger kids don't understand today they just think like oh I should be covering the Lakers mm-hmm. or I should be covering Mookie Betts or I should be covering you know the Dodgers and Cody Bellinger like no, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Or I should be covering Aaron Judge. Like you have to, you have to, you have to put in like the hours and time to be able to get to that point. And you know, I got lucky because the athletic popped up a year later. Um, there's people that I know that are, you know, still working um, covering high school, maybe college sports, because they didn't have that sort sort of connection that I had to be able to get over to the athletic. So, um, but I think there's still something to be said about that ground and root level journal, base level journalism that that's sort of lacking in today's um, industry and just Mm -hmm. the the importance of not necessarily, not necessarily like under like being caught up in like the, the idea of like covering the the best team. You need to be caught up in the idea of like honing your skill set. And I think that's the most important thing. I completely agree. Obviously I'm not really a sports journalist. I just like to ask people questions. So I don't know. Does that count? We'll see one of these days. No, no, I'm I'm busting chops, but I think, (laughs) you know, what you said before, I think one, um, you know, if you don't want to say it work for free, I'll say it because with the internet now it's, it's kind of, there's no excuse. If you want to do something, no one's going to pay you to do it unless you've done it before. Right. You're not going to cover the Lakers. If you haven't had a blog about the Lakers for 10 years, talking about everything and actually breaking it down, right? So that's always something that I would say. Now, obviously, again, every situation is different. And kudos to your parents. Shout out to them for allowing you to do what you love to do. I think that's very important. But there's no excuse you can't write a blog a week about the Lakers on Saturday or Sunday. I'm just going to say that right now. So that's just one thing. Um, Then taking the step to South Carolina, I think, is incredible on your part. And again, the foresight that you had, you understood, okay, I'm, I'm in the sports industry. But this, I want to be a reporter. I want, I need, I can't remember the report something or other portfolio, essentially you were talking about. And yes, it's, it's definitely a step back in terms of, okay, you're going to a small town in South Carolina to cover high school sports. And you know, none of this is going to make it national, which is where you want to go. But as you said, you have to grow that mentally. You have to grow that fortitude and your skill set. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to screw up in a small town in South Carolina. Again, so nothing again. I'm sure Greenwood is an incredible place. I'm sure there's a lot of great people there, but it's a lot easier to screw up there 
than it is on that national level, right? So get right. that out. Spell the names wrong. Give the wrong statistics. Have those parents call you up incessantly for a month. I think that's important. You're right. Like, I, again, I've never been able to do that. And, you know, I, I'm sure it'd be fun for a week, but kudos to you for doing it for a year and, and being able to yeah. grow, as you said, that skill set and as a person. And then you said you got lucky because the athletic came up. I don't personally believe in luck. Um, so yeah. kudos to you for taking advantage. But what was that? I mean, going from, again, a, a, a small, you know, high school gig down in South Carolina, as you said, or not even making 30 grand a year, living down there, no friends, no family, just doing your job. Then the athletic does pop up. What, how did you, like, how did you see this opportunity and, and who did you know that you could go to and say, Hey, is there any chance I could, I could do this over here? Yeah, I got it. So I remember I was sitting in the office actually, because like we had to, we had to work the night desk um, a lot of times because it's like it was only our, our sports staff for, for the index journal was like two people, it was me and my uh, another guy. And it was like, and like he was basically like the sports editor slash writer slash sports mm-hmm. writer. And like I was just like the sports, like he was sports writer. So like he was half, he like he's like literally like having to do like, like wear both hat and like be reporter, right? So it's like, it was, it was crazy times. But I was, I remember I was sitting in the office and, and I get it, I get it, uh, a text from one of my mentors. He um, covers uh, the NBA. His name is uh, Mark Spears. Um, Whoa, Mark he, Spears is just in your phone? Yeah, yeah, that's my guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, like very, very sly, like little humble brag right there. Yeah, you know, I just got a text from Mark Spears. Everybody listening, I'm pretty sure knows who Mark Spears is, but but I yeah. apologize. Keep going. Yeah. So he so he texts me and is like, um, so hey, like you know, uh, like the the beat job for. The athletic. I mean, the, there's this thing on the come up called the athletic, and um, I, I don't know if you've heard of it because it was like it was like right after they launched. And I think Ken Rosenthal mm-hmm. um, was the person that um, was like one of the first sign-ons, like like, like probably like the third or fourth. Um, and that's people like, whoa, like this yep. might be a thing, like right. So, um, so so he texts me and says, hey, like you know, uh, you know, Mark Spears, uh, this, hey, what's up, man? Like you know, there the athletic thing is popping up, like. And the A's beat might be open. Would you be interested? And he lives out there in the Bay Area. And I was like, heck yeah, I'd be interested. Like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like, where where do I where do I sign up? So he's like, he's like, well, um, I'm gonna have um, my buddy Marcus Thompson um, just signed on there. He covers the NBA, covers the Warriors, um, and he says, and he said that Tim Kawakami is the gonna be the editor in chief, and I'm 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 in I'm in with him kind of thing. So he said I can put your name in there. I said great, like. That's awesome. I'd, I'd be, I'd love to, I'd love to do it. So like literally like three seconds later, Tim Kawakami, uh, 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 follows me on Twitter and I still have the DM here. Um, and then Marcus Thompson follows me. So I'm like, Oh, sh-. I'm like, Oh crap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like, what's, what's, I hope like, everything's what's, on point, man. Jeez. Like what's, yeah. Like what, like, like, uh, do I need to delete like some of my tweets? Like what's going on here? Like, are they vetting? Like, are they looking through my tweets? So mm-hmm. he sends me a DM basically saying like, Hey, this is Tim Kawakami here. Like, yeah, we're launching the Athletic, and we're looking for a, a, a you know A's beat writer. And like, we're in our um, phases of, we're in our like you know prepubescent phase sort of thing. Like, it's not really a thing going on, but like, just want to let you know if like you're interested, just send us some stuff along. Yeah, yeah. So I said, oh, okay, fine, great. And so and so after that, I um, uh, I had met Ken Rosenthal at a at um at one of his uh at one of like a, a conference he was at or something like that and me and him had stayed in contact sort of thing and I told I always told him I wanted to be in baseball and stuff and I was like 
And so I texted him. I was like, Hey, like, do you know, do you know, uh, Tim Kawakami? And he was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I do know. Him. And I was like, can you put in a word for me or something like that? He's like, sure. So like I got Ken Rosenthal to put in a word for me. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is awesome. I think that's a, yeah, that's a pretty good uh, and so, person on your and, side. And yeah, so I had Mark Spears and Ken Rosenthal kind of vouching for me. Um, and then they had me, so, and I couldn't have done this. Like I, I'm like, I probably could have gotten fired for this. So they were like, we want you to uh, write like some, some like, I guess some sample stuff for us. Like we're going to give you a topic um, on like say Wednesday and you need to turn this in by say Friday. And I was like, okay, okay, great. And so I had one of my, um, so Marcus, meanwhile, was like behind the scenes because he like really wanted me to get the job because he's close with, he's close with, uh, he's close with uh, Mark mm-hmm. Spears. And he's like, look, like Mark Spears' family, like if he's vouching for you, like I want to help you as much as I can. And so he was like telling me, like he was calling like, hey man, like, they're pro- like he's probably gonna give you the topic tomorrow. So just be ready for it. I'm like, all right, I'll be ready. So he gave me the topic and I think it was like Joe Panic versus uh, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't even know the shortstop's name for Crawford. Um, Brandon Crawford? Brandon Crawford, something like that. Like, should they, should they keep them together? Something like that. And like, tell me why. And like, that was the first one. And then the second one was like about like, um, I forget what the second one was, but like the second one they had me, he was like, great, this is great. And so the second one, he's like, I'm gonna have it be a little harder. I'm gonna give you the topic on Sunday morning. I want to see if you can turn this over by Sunday night. And so I said, great. So I turned, I did it, wrote it, turned it in. And he was like, this is awesome. Like, you know, like we think you'd be, you'd be good for us. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you just had a, had a phone, had a, like three phone interviews after that um, with like Jimmy Durkin, uh, Paul Fichtenbaum, who heads up it up there and Adam Hainsman, who also uh, is one of the head leads there. And then after that, like, it was like, um, like two weeks went by and they were like, Hey, like, you know, you won't, you're our guy. So it really, but it really, really took Tim, I guess, you know, I owe a lot of credit to Tim because like, um, you know, I came from a small newspaper and in, in, in a sense, and I never covered a really big beat. And mm-hmm. he was, he was the main one vouching for me. And I, cause I can be, I can be frank. Like, I don't think a lot of the other people necessarily like the, the, the higher, the, the, the guys in charge, I guess, um, or like the CEOs and stuff necessarily like believed in me at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, cause, and because who was I like, you know, like, where do you come from? Why, why should we hire him? You know what I mean? But Tim was like, no, this is my guy. Like, this is who I want. Like, um, you know, kind of thing. And, and it, it all worked out in the end, but like Tim really, really went to bat for me in terms of just being, being able to, for me to be able to get that job because, if it wasn't for Tim going to bathroom, I probably would have been interviewed, but it'd probably been like, Hey man, like we'll keep your resume on file. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's how I got there. You even, you even kind of alluded to it. Like what, what have you really done up to this point? I mean, I think it's incredible, exactly. you know, your time with Huffington post, you worked for the MLB, you know, you took that job down there in South Carolina to, to, to be a reporter, but in terms of reporting and beat reporting specifically, yeah. you, you've been a, a beat reporter for a year in a small town in South Carolina covering high school sports. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I, was there, did you even call it, cover a college when you were down in South Carolina? So I, we, covered, we covered like Clemson was like, an, like I guess uh, maybe like 40 minutes away. Okay. And there, they had like a lot of, like a lot of football is like really big down there. So um, they, and they had like a lot of like local guys go to their, mm-hmm. go to that school. So we used to cover okay. like their home games. But like that was that was really it. Like it wasn't necessarily a beat. It would be like, you know, you kind of like 
cover it from like a local angle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, like from you, the headline would be somebody from mm-hmm. the town, you know, cause it had to yeah. have that kind of local feel to it. But I, I mean, I, I, we covered everything though. Like you covered, um, you know, high school football, you know, high school basketball, college basketball. There's a Lander college down there, um, Erskine college. And it's just like, everything's all coming these back, small, man. All these it's small, all coming back. All these small colleges, man. But like, one of my one of my mentors says, she said, like, if you can cover high school, you can cover anything, right? Mm-hmm. That's just it's just the way it is. Like, I mean, high school just high school football, especially, is is hard. Like, like I and I and like like I'm trying to make like an effort now since I work for a newspaper to try to go back and cover like one high school game a year mm-hmm. because like that's that's where it's like it kind of keeps your juices flowing kind of thing. Like the yeah. high school covering high school football is tough. So. Um, so I was I wasn't necessarily but but then again like it's it, but major leagues is it's a totally different beast at the same time and that's what I was gonna ask I mean I'm sure you know you cut your teeth in high school and you did you know all that stuff down in South Carolina but the yeah. magnitude I mean it's not even close right I mean yeah, the no. o- Oakland Athletics even though they're one of the smaller market teams in the MLB way more people are going to be reading that than yeah. you know what you were doing down in South Carolina so while I'm sure you absolutely believed your mentor you're still really young at this point. Did you, yeah. I mean, what, what, yeah. what kind of nerves and what kind of emotions were you going through being like, all right, I'm going to go from, you know, again, a, a respectable job down in South Carolina covering, you know, high school and some college sports now to, okay, now you're the MLB beat reporter for the Oakland athletics yeah. at this brand new, essentially media startup that people yeah. have to pay for. I mean, like there's, it's just such a yeah. leap, you know, most of the time you hear like, okay, you'll go to like a newspaper, a bigger one. Right. And then, you know, so right. what was that leap like? personally for you and kind of coping with and making sure like okay I, I can do this like having the confidence in yourself uh, to be honest man like I, I went in like like pretty confident but then but then spring training hit and I never forget like you know it's like you're trying to impress your bosses you're trying to like win over um like the, the managers in some sense because like you essentially like those essentially like your colleagues right mm-hmm. like you see them every single day like I would see the players more than I saw my own like family um you know in, in the locker rooms and out you know outside the locker rooms where on the field after the game in the post-game press conference wherever like you see those guys a lot and so like I found myself trying to do too much too soon right I was trying to write my best story I was trying to um, impress the manager in, on some levels. I was trying to um, uh, uh, meet every GM, meet the GM and, and introduce myself and, you know, kind of, and, and those are all the right idea, but it's like, that's not going to happen. It takes, mm-hmm. it takes time. So I remember, I remember um, Bob Melvin um, and he's like, I think he's like, for me, I think he's the best manager in baseball. Like I, I love, I love Bob. I think he's a great manager. He's like good with, he's a good at like, uh, uh, like analytics, like, and also having like the, the, the feel of, mm-hmm. of the game and being able to explain it to players and like, a, you know, kind of keeping tempering emotions and all that stuff. Um, so I remember um, one time I asked him and like, Bob was sort of trying to get in, still trying to get to know me. He was like, really like, yeah, like who is this kid kind of thing. Right. And so I, I, I could never really ask a question the right way. Like it was always like a roundabout way of asking questions, mm-hmm. long winded, and so um, the PR guy's like, dude, like, you're too long-winded, man. Like, you just got to ask, like, hey, Bob, what do you think about this? Hey, Bob, what do you think about that? And I was like, he's like, then once you get, like, a hold of that, then start, you know, trying to ask, like, the elaborate, mm-hmm. like, 
questions and stuff, or like maybe even the questions of like trying to hold a player accountable type of question. So like, I was like, okay, fine. Like I'll, 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 I'll take your, I'll take key to that type of information. I'll, I'll, I'll take that into consideration. I'll do that. So I did that for like two weeks. I asked, Hey, what do you think about this guy? And it's like, Oh, and he'd give me a good answer. Right. And so the answer started getting better. So I remember like their pitching sucked. It was just terrible. Um, and so it was like getting toward the end of spring training. And he was like, and I was like, dude, like, I, I know I'm the new guy, but like, I gotta ask this question. Like, I gotta, I gotta ask like about their pitching staff. And so I asked, the, I, I go to him and it's after the game. And I said, um, and like, they had just given up, like, I think their starter had given up like nine runs or something like that. Oh, like two whoa. and two. It was some, it was something crazy. And so, and like, but like all of them were given up like those amount of runs. It was like nuts. And so I asked him a question that said, I said, what, I said, I said, what starters do you think have like separated themselves from the pack this year? Fair, very fair question in my opinion. And so he says, he like looks and he says like, I'm not going to answer that right now. And, uh, and so I'm like, I'm like, screw it. I'm like, dang, I'm sorry. I can't You're good, no I'm like, dang, like I just got shut down. Right. And so I'm like feeling like crap the rest of the day. And then so my boy turns and I'm like, dang, man, he hates you. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> and so so I'm like, geez, like, I got to work with this guy. Like, yeah, like, what's going on? Like, it, I was, that was a fair question, I felt like. Um, he's, and so the next day, I never forget, I'm in the clubhouse and I hear Julian. And like, it was Bob. And he was like, and he's like, come over here. And so it was like, he brought me over. And I felt like I was like a, like a kid going to like, like a Yeah, like office. a little puppy getting, uh, yeah, like, oh, that's too funny. So like, he walks me into his office. He sits down behind his desk. And he's like, look, like, I didn't have any problems with the questions that you asked yesterday. Like he said, he said, but I don't want to have that, that I don't want to answer that question. If I, if I didn't have that conversation with my guys yet and tell them, you know, who, who has separated themselves. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, he said, you know, I know you're new here. You're trying to get your feet wet and I, I'll do anything I can to help you. But like, I had to let you, I have to let you know that. And so from that day forward, like that, that sort of gave me, enabled me, um, ability to be able to work and feel comfortable with like you know just being being the new guy but being mm-hmm. but being able to go about my business in the way in which you know being uh, being a reporter but like also being comfortable in the fact that like you're not going to build these relationships overnight right like you're not going to like the gm is not going to be your buddy buddy with you or, and you should, you should never be buddy buddy with those guys like that you should always just also be like a, there should, should be some like neutrality to that in my if you're a reporter um, but like, they're not going to be totally comfortable with you off rip. So like sprint, but that after you told me that, and it was like two weeks left in spring training, it really opened me up um, to being able to just go about doing my job and being okay with not having the answers to everything and being okay with being the new guy um, and, and being okay with, you know, figuring things out. And, 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 you know, and, and if I have to figure things out or the, the hard way, so be it, you know, I had to learn those type of things. You know, I have stories, I have stories about like Chris Davis. I, I, Chris Davis said something one time in the clubhouse. I tweeted it and like what he said. And he was like, dude, like that was off the record. Like, I don't even know why. And like he went off him. And this is like all during that spring training time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so it's, it's so it was like, I was like, I didn't know that. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. And like for two weeks, he was just like, like, like just like cold to me. Uh-huh. And then like he eventually came back around again and like, he's a good guy. Like, you know, I, I text him from time to time, just like checking to see how he's doing. But like, um, but, but like it was, it's a learning curve. Right. And you have to be able to understand that learning curve and embrace that learning curve and, 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 
And so for Bob to be able to do that, for Chris to be able to be, to intimate those, those type of things to me, for them to kind of show me the ropes in those ways, um, it allowed me to be, to, to figure, to, to help navigate a clubhouse better, to help navigate the ways in which I ask questions and to help navigate this business because it's just all about relationships. That's all it is. And that, that's what, that was going to be my next question. I mean, with, with being a beat reporter, we hear all the time, sources, 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 and you yeah. have to develop those relationships with the sources, right? And it doesn't seem like uh, you got off on the great foot with a lot of these people, but you're also the new guy, as you said, and you're, you're learning and they, they could see that, obviously. They're not blind to it. They've been doing this for a very long time. So I'm sure they've seen multiple people like you come in before where you are the new guy. You're just kind of getting your feet wet. Again, going from a small town to now this, you know, this gigantic media opportunity with the athletics, I think is just so cool. And of course, you're going to jump at it. But what was it like? I mean, how, how did you feel over that, you know, first year, especially you were there? How did you feel like those relationships were developing? And how did you feel like you were getting better at your job to the point where people would rely on you, not just for the general, like, hey, how do you think Chris Davis did today kind of questions and more of those deeper questions where, you know, that's the kind of stuff you wanted to get into. Yeah, I think, I think it, it helped because they had a lot of young players at the time too, mm -hmm. right? Like, so when you go to a team. What year is uh, this? Just a... 2018. Okay. So it, was like, it, was like, it was like Matt Chapman's first full season mm -hmm. in the big leagues. It was Matt Olson's first full, full yep. season in the big leagues. Um, and Marcus uh, Simeon was still really pretty Marcus young. Simeon was, was Marcus Simeon wasn't now. like – he came off a bad season. Like he wasn't really like a top three in MVP votes kind of thing. So like, no had, offense to Marcus Simeon. I still don't know how that happened, but anyway, I'm sorry. Dude, it, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know, man. Good for Marcus. Mm -hmm. It's, it, it's, it's cause like, if Good you saw him. him like, even like two years ago, you'd be like, yeah, like he's not even like an, uh, like a top yeah. tier, like shortstop. Uh -huh. He's probably the bottom thirds kind of guy, but then he just work. He works hard. Good stuff. So, um, um, Stephen Piscotti was a great guy. Like all these people, like it worked out because the A's are sort of like a boutique, right? It's not like the Yankees or Red Sox or Mets or like, you know, even like, it's like, it's, it's like a mom and pop shop in a way where it's like, you can, you can walk around there and make your mistakes on some mm -hmm. level and it not be like a big thing. It's not Boston or anything or New York, um, or LA, um, uh, but like, but so, so like that helped me having that type of like buffer, I guess that to be able to make those mistakes and be able to do that. I think that helped a bit. Um, but going in that season, um, it was weird because I, I, cause I remember, I remember they weren't supposed to be good and that's always like the A's thing. They're never yeah. supposed to be good. Right. They're always like the counted out guys, but like this season, like they had no pitching, like it was crazy. So like, and by like the all-star break, they, they weren't really that good. Um, but like afterwards it was like, geez, this team's kind of catching up a bit. And like, they started going these win streaks. And so I think I always said, like, I always said like to King Korak, who's the, uh, the, the radio announcer there. I said, as the team grew, like I started feeling like I was growing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I felt like I sort of like grew with them in a sense, right? Cause you have these young guys unproven, uh, you know, haven't really done anything. And so like, you know, Ramon Laureano comes up. He wasn't who's supposed to be up there for just a cup of coffee. And like, all of a sudden he makes a throw from like the yep. outfield. And that's like, and that's like, a, I remember being in Anaheim and seeing, and I was like, what the heck is that? Like, and it's just, it's just like on a line. I'm like, like, who is this kid? And then he just goes off. Like mm -hmm. he was just supposed to be there just to face like a row of lefties and, and they were going to send him back down. And then he just, he just stayed. Right. And he's been their center fielder ever since. So like, that helped in, in a sense of like being able to build sources, being able to build 
uh, relationships, when the team's going well, it's like so much easier than when the team's going bad. Like mm-hmm. I can take that from my experience with just covering the Red Sox last year. And when I came here in June of last year, it was very like, uh, was, it was very like sour and then like kind of like dour kind of clubhouse. Um, so like the A's were doing well and it was able for me to be able to um, cultivate those relationships in a sense, because now the athletic, I was like, you know what, I'm not looking for the stories necessarily of like, you know, how's Chris Davis's hip doing or how's a, uh, mm-hmm you know, or the update, give me an update on, uh, you know, uh, Ramon Lariano's hamstring and how's that doing today? Like you, they really, I was started looking for the in-depth stories. So, you know, the, the players were a lot more open at that point. They were a lot more open just to be able to talk about their stories. I remember I wrote a story on Ramon Lariano, um, that talked about like, um, his, his, um, like just his journey and how he went from a Juco player to, un, to, to a guy that wasn't supposed to be drafted. Then he got drafted and, and just me being able to delve into that story and write that story that changed our relationship. And just in terms of just being able to him, him seeing me write that story, like, granted, if you, you gotta, it's, it's not all going to be great, great stories mm-hmm. that you're going to write, but like, it's, it's, you don't, but like, I think what people get misconstrued about the media is like, a lot of times we don't want to write the bad story, right? Like, I don't want this team to be, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want the team I'm covering to be 20, 25 and 82 yeah. at the all-star break, right? Like you don't, you don't want that. Like you want the team to be, good because it attracts more readers to you in a sense. Right. So, but like with this, with, with, with that team, it was just like, they were playing so well. Um, I was looking for the stories of like, what makes these, what makes these guys tick, what makes these guys go. And that just allowed me to be able to be so much more personal, personable with them and just be able to cultivate those relationships a bit more. And granted, like you had your guys like Chris Davis who did not like to speak at all, but like you knew that and you like, you knew that and you like, he spoke when he had to, and that's it, you know? And, but like, that didn't change anything like about your relationship with him. They, they still respected you and what your job had to do, but you just know he just, he just wasn't necessarily a media guy. So you like learn those like different things about being around the team. And I think that's the importance of being around a beat is like, is if they see you every day, like it's, they build a sense of trust and saying like, okay, he's, this is, this is kind of our guy, like mm-hmm. kind of thing, or like a guy that we can trust. Yeah. And then when you, but then when you don't cover them anymore, they're even more open. It's weird. Like Marcus Simeon was never really open with me. Like he was like, I can never really crack Marcus Simeon for his, for, for like, really. But then like, I saw him at winter meetings this year and he's like, yo, Julian, what's up, man? And I'm like, Marcus, <laughs> like, you know, like, like having conversations with him and his wife. And I was like, dang, like this would never happen when I was covering him in Oakland. So, uh, but like, it, it just, it allows like when you when you cover a team like that and like especially a team that's on the come up like the A's were in 2018 um, and you're young and they and like and they can relate to you on some level. It makes it a little bit easier. So like now with the front office, that's a little bit different. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's a front office is like kind of like that's a kind of like a grown. That's kind of like the Ken Rosenthal's and mm-hmm. Jeff Passons of the world's like kind yeah. of thing. And right for right now. And, um, you know, but like that's that that takes a little bit more time to to break down those walls. But. The players, I the, I figured that that was that was really my end. Like the players and management, like because like they saw me every day and they could relate to me on some level, right? So, um, yeah, I hope that answers the question. No, but. you did. I, I love it. I love all those stories, and that's exactly why I do this because I'm now one degree away from all these guys that I draft in my fantasy team every year. So yeah. I just think it's it's awesome. But no, I love I love the the energy that you're putting in it, and and just the opportunity, as you said, like the team was good and baseball is, you know, obviously there's a lot of, you know, all the sports, there's a lot of games. I mean, football is obviously the least with 16. So if it's a bad season, 
it takes 17 weeks to get there, but it's only 16 games, right? Baseball, yeah. if you're having a bad season, man, and you can tell you're having a bad season by the quarter mark, oh my goodness. It's just the longest possible season. Again, being a Mets fan, I'm very familiar because I still watch a lot of the games. But yeah. by the time August and September rolls around, I'm just like, all right, thankfully football's here, so I don't have to pay attention to the Mets anymore. Um, but you make a great point. You were able to take advantage of this great situation where it was it was a, it was a surprisingly good team. As you said, they weren't picked mm-hmm. to do too much, but then they have these guys like Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Ramon Laureano just kind of come up, not quite out of nowhere. I mean, Laureano a little bit, but I think Chapman was known for his glove yeah. already and kind of what yeah. he was able to do. And Olsen was kind of known that he could hit a couple dingers. But it's just cool that you then were able to not just – kind of sit back and let it happen you were able to go ahead and say all right well let's take advantage of this situation these guys are happy because they're winning usually if you're happy you're going to talk a little bit more and have a little bit more you know charisma that goes along with it not just be down in the dumps as you said so I think it's great that you're able to take advantage of that situation and then parlay this job with the athletic covering the athletics which I, I, we haven't made that joke yet, but I'm sure you heard it a lot (laughs) yeah I heard a lot (laughs) into into working with the Boston Globe and I mean that's one of the most prestigious, I would have to say, at least from my perception, one of the more prestigious publications in America, um, just kind of, it's always had this Mm -hmm. air of prestigiousness. I don't know if that's a word, just kind of like that step above and they just go the extra mile, especially coming from a city like Boston. How were you able, again, that's a pretty big leap too, as you were talking about before in in Oakland, it's it's more that mom and pop shop. You can make a couple mistakes. No one's going to go crazy. (laughs) Now you're going to Boston, which and this is the year they they just won the World Series, right? And, like, this yeah. is the year you're coming in. And now, as you said, you come in June, and they already can kind of tell, well, this season's not quite going as well as it was. I mean, how did you – first, how did you get that opportunity over here in Boston? And what was it like, especially kind of just covering that second half where it was a little depressing the whole time? Yeah. I, I bring up this one little anecdote. I remember, like, just comparing the two, like – in, in, in Oakland, like Billy Bean walks around like the facility in his flip flops with his like golden retriever dog. Right. That's and awesome. he's like running out on the field playing uh-huh. with like the grounds crew's dog. Like in Boston, that would never happen. Like you would never see Dave Dombrowski walking around in like mm-hmm. flip flops or like a t-shirt and like, Hey, what's going on, man? Like, you know, walking, it's just, it's just not like that. So, um, I, so I, it's, it, it's so funny because like, I remember, the team had just gotten back from Japan and um, and the, the A's had just gotten back from Japan. And like, I've just started like feeling like I had my feet under me. Like I had my year under my belt. Like I know the guys, I know the team, I know the pitching staff. I know who's there. I know, you know, Bob really well. Um, I had actually just gotten a raise um, like uh, at, at the athletic cover, covering them for that second season. And so <clears throat> I never forget, like, I was feeling, like, so content in my job. And I never forget, like, uh, Greg, Gary Washburn, who, like, I'm, and I meet all these guys from NABJ. It's the National Association of Black Journalists. It's, like, um, it's a kind of, like, a way for Black journalists to have an opportunity to get into mm-hmm. that sort of industry. And so, like, it's a huge, um, huge, huge program. And they have, like, these, these uh, conventions every year. So I met Gary Washburn, like, probably around the time, like, probably like four years before that and so you know I knew him and stuff like that and he works at the Boston Globe as like their national basketball writer and he said hey like you know the Red Sox beat is open you know can you can you uh would you be interested and at first I said no I said nah you know I just got a raise here I you know maybe sometime next year I'll be ready to do I'll, I'll make that leap or something like that and then he didn't text me back after that and I was like so I was like huh he hasn't texted me back and I so I texted him I was like what do you think and so he was like, 
he was like, honestly, these jobs don't come open that much. Like he said, you may not get it, but like, it's good to have you at least put your hat in here, you know, cause these, this isn't, this isn't a job that's going to be around next year. And like somebody's going to be leaving for like the next thing next year. It's the Boston Red Sox covering the ball like, at the Boston globe. So I'm like, yeah, he's right. What the heck am I thinking? And so I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm interested. So, so he, so he gives the word to like our, my sports editor now. And he says, um, my now sports editor. And he says, yeah, you know, I have another guy out in Oakland. He covers the A's. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's pretty interested in the job. And so at that time, Boston was in, was in, was coming to Oakland. Um, and I remember uh, Pete Abraham, who, who was, who was the beat writer for them. Uh, he was moving up to the columnist role um, because of the fortunate passing of Nick Cafardo, who's mm-hmm. also the columnist, uh, uh, who's a longtime columnist at the globe. Um, so he was moving up to the columnist role. So like that, that uh, part was vacant. So I remember I went up to him in the clubhouse and I was like, Hey man, like, I'll be interested in this job. Like if it comes open, I told Gary, I'll be interested. And he was like, he's all right. Yeah. Well just, you know, we're still, we're still taking like, um, we're still taking applications. Just send your application to Matt and I'll guys, my editor's editor's name is Matt. And like, you know, I'll, I'll make sure I'll have him make, maybe he'll take a look at it. So he, I sent him, I sent him along my clips, whatever like that. And I get an email from, from, from Pete. And he's like, Hey man, like keep this between me and you, but like, my my sports editor really likes you like i think you know you'll have you have a uh, you know you, you're gonna get an interview and so i first hopped on a phone call uh for an interview out in, o- out in oakland um and you know spoke to spoke to them for about like i don't know like like probably like 20 minute phone call i guess and i said okay like we'll follow up in like two days if that's if if, if you know if you're if, we're, if you've moved on to the next round so i said okay fine so I didn't think I was going to get it. I, I was like, all right, whatever. And so like, I think that allowed me to be a little bit looser because it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fine with my job. I'm content with my job. If I get this great, I get, I get to be back home. I'll, that'd be a dream come true, whatever like that. But if I don't, it's not like I'm working, you know, like, yeah. it's not like I don't have anything to fall back on. So like, I was like, I'm probably not going to get this because I don't have like the experience. Like it probably wants somebody like whatever. And so I remember like the two days go by and he's, and they get a call from the editor. He's like, Hey, like, you know, um, we want to bring you in for an interview. So I'm like, Oh, really great. And I was like, he was like, he's like, yeah, but like the timing's probably off. Right. Like, you know, just in terms of like you, um, you know, getting here cause you're all the way on the West coast. And I was like, <clears throat> well, actually the A's go to, go to, go to uh, Oakland. I mean, go to Boston next week. Huh. So timing's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so I can I can shoot over to your office if whatever. Like, oh, it's great, great. So I get into I get in like that Sunday night because they they had a, um I was already in Toronto because they were playing the the Blue Jays, and and so I get in from that Blue Jays to Toronto. I mean from get in from Canada to to Boston that night. Um, that Monday like is like the first game of like the like a like a three game set, and then I, then that Tuesday was the interview. So that Monday night, I'm like prepping and all this stuff, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't, like, I couldn't sleep. I'm like, I, I don't want to oversleep this. Like, you know, it's like, I, I'm like, like interviews at like 8am. So I get in and it's like nice office in like the financial district. And it's, and then, and then like, they just put me through the ringer and it's like, um, it, it's like, it's like interview after interview. And I had like nine, I had like, I kind of like nine interviews that day. Um, and then after that, they just, they, they, I went back to Oakland. They said, Hey, we might be in, we'll be in touch. And 
um, P. Abraham emailed me again and was like, hey, like, they really like you. I think you have a shot to get this. Um, and after that, uh, they, they called me two weeks later and I got the job. That's incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, this like the, like the, what you had to go through in that short period of time. And then you were able to take advantage of that situation. And again, you know, utilizing that network that you've been able to create, utilizing uh, the skills that you've been able to obtain over the last couple of years, doing what you're doing. I mean, I just think it is so cool that you're yeah. now working for, as I said, you know, at least in my opinion, and I, don't, I don't think my opinion counts at all when it comes to, um, you know, prestige and sports journalism, but the Boston Globe has always just been looked at, and again, just from where I sit, as just a little bit better than everywhere else. Um, yeah. So I think what you've been able I, to do and how you've been able to, to obtain that position, man, I mean, congratulations. Yeah, and then, and then like, it was, it, was, it was weird. I remember to answer the second part of your question, I guess, like, so I get the job and it's like, and it's like a dream come true. Like my parents are excited, everything like that. But then you come here and it's like, um, it's a totally different vibe, right? Like, it's like, like you're like, it's, 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 the team isn't playing well. Like after coming off a world series, the fans are really invested, but like the team is, 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 is like sucking. Um, you walk into the clubhouse and it's like, everybody's like sort of in like this, like, like disgruntled mood kind of thing. And it's just like, man, I went from covering a team that like nobody expected to win to covering a team that then they, and they win to a team that everybody expected to win and they're not winning. So like, it was like a huge, huge like difference. Like, you know, uh, sale was having problems with his arm, like, David Price was, um, was like, uh, he, at that point he was pitching well, but then he went, he went down in like July, then was out for the rest of the season. Uh, Mookie, when he first, like he was like, his first half wasn't really that good uh, to his standards. Um, it, it was just a really, really down season. And so I remember just walking in and I'm just like, man, this is like a completely different beast. And like you walk in and it's literally, um, in Oakland, you'd be lucky if it was like four reporters there, right? It's like, and everybody's at like, all the players mm-hmm. at their lockers. It's, it's like, it's like, cause like, it's not that much media in, in Boston. Like we have like, like 30, 40 people a day, like, right. And, and just, Whoa. just like, just that are like in the clubhouse and like, if there's more like media in the clubhouse than there are players, players, a lot of times probably like they try to find hiding spots a lot of times. Right. Like they don't really want, to, they know all the hiding spots. Oh, I'm in the cages. Oh, I'm going to go eat something. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hop in the shower. So um, they know when you're going to be in there, I'm going to go out in the field and stretch. Um, so you, so it was a lot different trying to have to navigate that versus like having everything available to you. Cause like, if you go up to one guy, like in the clubhouse, um, like pregame and you get one guy, then everybody's going to want to get that one guy. So the players recognize that and they feel that. So they're like, yeah, I'm just not going to go in a clubhouse. So it makes it a lot difficult for you to, lot, a little bit more difficult for you to do your job. And that season, it was kind of tougher for me to build relationships because you know, I'm the new guy and I'm coming in the middle of a season that's not going according to plan. Right. So that's why I think stuff like spring training is so important. This spring training this year was so important just for people to get to, get to see my face and know me because, you know, nobody really sees you like that. If, if like you're the, you're the new guy kind of thing, it's like, it's like, Oh, he's a new guy, but like, yeah, we're having a sucky season. Like what's going on. And then, you know, all that stuff happens yeah. in the off season where they fire the man they fire the, uh, have to fire the manager because of the, the biggest scandal in baseball history, you know, they fire the GM uh, 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 right after, you know, coming off of a world series in August in August of last season. So it was like, it was like madness. Um, so now it's, and then, then now you have the pandemic on top of it. Now it's like, 
it's so it, it, I'm still trying to get settled in the sense. Um, and it hasn't, and hasn't necessarily gone as smoothly as the transition was to, um, to, to Oakland, but you know, I'm sort of more, I'm sort of used to being able to navigate these things now. Like had I jumped into this role, like coming at, from Greenwood, oh man, I'd be finished. Like I wouldn't been able to do it. So but this, is, but, this is a lot different experience. But I think it's so cool. You know, as you said, I mean, at least you've had something to write about. And, and I also want to just point yeah. out, it's, the Red Sox had a bad season in terms of their standards. But if I'm not mistaken, yeah. they won like 80-something games. 80, it's, not like, games. it's not like, yeah. exactly. Like, I'm a Mets fan. I would take that literally every single year. But, you know, coming <laughs> off 110 wins or whatever the heck they had yeah. the season prior, winning the World Series and now coming in and watching the Yankees do what they do. The, you know, it was it was a sucky season, but like they weren't like that far out of the wild card race. It was like a really weird just like perception around everything. Where yeah, they had some bad stretches, but you know, just from your point of view, I mean, it it must have been at least nice. You know, not being able to develop the relationships, as you said, wasn't really great. And you know, coming halfway through a season where now it's in a completely new town and you have a lot to figure out let's say we punt this one, but you didn't even have to because there was so much crap that was going on. As you said, they fired David Dombrowski. Uh, you know, now, then, then you have this giant scandal. Then you have the pandemic. So, I mean, it's not like you're, you're, uh, you're running out of things to write about, at least in this you know, first six months or you know, now almost a year on the job. But what, like, with this pandemic, what are you, you, know, you were able to develop some of those relationships, as you said, in spring training. What have you seen, and you know, only being in MLB for, for like two years now, what have you seen with this pandemic and how have you seen it kind of not shaking out, but for you personally, what has that done and not allowing you to create these relationships, not allowing you to do your job to be able to get better as, as you're, you're looking to do every day. Yeah, it, it, it's tough, right? Like, I mean, like, but I, I try to keep a, um, a different perspective of like, you know, there are people that are dying literally exactly. like, yeah. from this stuff. So like, um, but it, it's tough not, not being able to go to like the ball field and like being able to, like if you go to like like it's it's like if you go to Fenway and like you stand there like dang like this is like this is the big league like it feels like big right like Fenway feels like like it probably you know it's like it's it's just a different feeling than going to the Oakland Coliseum right it's you feel like juice like you you get your juices flowing like you want to be there fans are there fans are in it's like Boston fans are crazy so it makes your it makes your job and they hold you to like such high standards. So it makes your job like a little bit more fun uh, in that sense, and especially like being like a, a Northeast guy and, you know, or a guy that's like used to like, you know, people being like sort of giving you the cold shoulder and stuff like that. Like sort of like gets me going a little bit more versus like the laid back, like LA, Oakland. Hey, what's up, man? Kind of like vibe. Even though Oakland's like a little bit more like city-ish city feel to it and has a little bit more grunt to it than LA does. But um it just, it just, but it just covering this time now is it's like, you just start, it's like, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing like you just like kind of like it relates to the A's a little bit. Like I've just started to get my feet under me. I'm just starting to build these relationships during spring training. And then I ne next thing you know, it's like, you know, baseball shut down and it's like, Whoa, what's going on? You know what I mean? So it's like, and then, and now you're covering the pandemic, but it's like, it's only so much stuff that you can write. Right. So it's like you like you always try to so you find, try to find these like unique angles of things like. Right. So it's like you see people writing stuff about, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, his one season in the uh, with uh, with the uh, with the with the, with the White uh, Chicago yeah. White Sox and everything like that. So you're always constantly in these like, I guess, these stressful modes of like trying to find find stories. And for me, it's a little bit tougher because 
like I said, I'm a more so of a player person. Like I like writing about players. I like writing about unique angles in terms of just players. I'm not necessarily like a quote unquote, like your front office guy. I don't really mm-hmm. like, that's not really like my niche. My niche is like the game, like the game, the game, like what is that diving stop to the left that Xander Bogarts made, how that impacted the game. Like that's, a, that's like my bread and butter. So for me not being able to do that, me not being able to write that, me not being able to ask players about that, it's 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 tough this time. But I also, t- but at the same time, I try to keep a, a perspective about it that like, you know, uh, I'll eventually be able to get back to work at some point. But you know, people won't be able to get their loved ones back. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of the perspective I take into this. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You know, if there's, you know, you're really good at something right or Mm -hmm. or you're really you really enjoy writing about something it's probably good to try and start writing about some other things right like especially you have this time now you could take advantage of the situation and say okay well i can't write about that so now i gotta learn or 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 get better at writing at something about which i think is really important and and you know it's probably even more difficult for you because you don't even have you know some of these guys and some of the girls covering the team they at least have those relationships with the players they call Mm -hmm. them up and say hey what's going on i'm sure you some earlier this you know a couple months of last season and then just spring training this year probably made it more difficult so how are you still like are you trying to develop the relationship with the players right now or or is something like that too difficult to even you know try and undertake at this point in time so i'm just trying to lean on the ones that i do have so like um like i have relationships i guess with like you know with, with jackie bradley and um uh you know uh, so, sort of the, uh, the, the, the front office, some of the front office people, the scouts and um, sort of things like that. So like, I'm just trying to sort of like try to come up with angles of, of not, maybe, maybe not necessarily like writing around, like around the, like about the player necessarily, but like about the organization, I'm trying to get more skillful at, at writing about like, you know, doing things that I'm not good at. Right. So I'm, I'm not good at writing about like, you know, say like a front office, uh, position or something like that like that's not necessarily my strength so I'm trying to make it more of a more of a uh, an obligation of mine or a priority of mine to 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 reach out to those guys and, and call them and call like Hein Bloom and those guys and, ha- and and give myself reasons to talk to these guys so I can get comfortable in that space a little bit more because the bit like the, the player part that's fine that, that'll come back that'll I'll be able to build that um, at some point this season if we if there is a season or next season or next spring training whatever um, but it's the other parts that I'm trying to get um, a little bit better at. And that's like sort of like the, the front office thing. Like I remember, um, you know, Mark Carrig who covers the, the, the baseball for the athletic, he told me like, Hey man, like, like it's an organization. It's just not players. It's, it's like, it's like, it's the players are like the chess pieces. Right. So like you have to make sure like you're building relationships with the people up top, because those are the people that, those are the people that are making the, the, the moves and stuff like that. So give yourself a reason to call them, right? Give yourself a reason to say, Hey, I'm working on the story on Raphael Devers. So like right now I'm working on the story on Raphael Devers and like his ability, he's a, he's a really good bad ball hitter. Like he's a really good at hitting like balls that are off the plate and still like squaring them up. So I'm like, I'm, I'm giving myself a reason to call like the assistant GM, like, Hey, what does this mean for him to be able to do this? Is this something that you guys look for? And just kind of cultivating and building those relationships through that because you know, baseball isn't around right now. So I'm trying to do bring up a, you know, work on a skill that I'm not necessarily, not necessarily my strength. And to this point, you know, the front office part of it um, wasn't my strength. And that's, a, that's the most, to a degree, um, I, I, I think 
has become, which I think it's always should always be about the players because it's a player's league. But uh, to a degree, the, um, what separates sort of the men from the boys is having those, those connections in the front office. I love it, man. And I always like to think, um, you know, Hyman Bloom could have been Mets GM, but instead yeah, they hired Wagon in. So that's something that I'll forever be jealous of. He's a smart guy, too. Sox. But um, yeah, that's, that's another, that's a whole other thing. But um, Julian, this has been absolutely fantastic. Um, I hope you had some fun doing this. This was a blast for me. Julian McWilliams, Red Sox beat reporter at the Boston Globe. Man, sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today. Hey, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Julian. As I said, super interesting. Just his story, what he's done, how he's done it, I think is very, very impactful and very impressive. Please make sure to follow him on all of his socials. Everything will be in the show notes. Please also make sure to give us a five-star review wherever the heck you're listening, but definitely if you're listening on iTunes and Apple, it helps us out a lot. So thank you all so much for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Oh! <laughs>